my favorite way to attack is by faking it an alliance and making a surprise attack. No matter what Turkey does, this attack from Italy is coming. The Diplomacy Dojo is a weekly discussion led by your board brother about diplomacy tactics and strategies. Let's listen in on what our players are discussing this week. What kind of games have you been playing recently? I had a guy with, I was Austrian, they did an Austria-Turkish alliance. We ended up between ourselves, 20 hours, like on 11 centers. He was on 10 in the end when we drew. The board just terminated us. I'm not sure if I could have stabbed or not. It was an awkward position. Like, he couldn't do much to me if he wanted to, but... On the other one, I couldn't do... Like, I could do more damage than to him than he to me, but it was like... If I stab him, I have to hold Berlin plus Munich and take everything else but Tunis in order to win. Mm-hmm. Which seemed to me, like, pretty unlikely to happen. Either I don't take him down, or I do it, but I lose one of the Munich or Berlin centers. And then I don't have a solo, so it's kind of there. That makes sense. I've been playing these league games that we have going through the website, and I had an interesting experience where I uh, finished a a gunboat match recently that ended in a draw, where I was Italy. This was a pickup game on web diplomacy, a low-level game of just random players, not a big buy-in in in terms of web dip points. And after the match was over, uh, apparently some of the players were surprised and delighted to find out that they were playing against Brotherboard. Many of them said that they uh, were familiar with the the blog and so on. One player even said that they had been thinking about writing a really critical end-of-game statement about what I had done to them, uh, had gotten them destroyed with repeated backstabbing or something like that. It was a gunboat game? Yeah, it was a gunboat game, and I was Italy. In this match, I menaced France early on and uh, continued to menace France. I fought France for a while, and we were, we were locked. We had locked horns for many turns, unable to do anything. And as soon as France turned around, I was signaling that I wanted to back down, but it wasn't true. And I immediately attacked France uh, <laughs> as soon as I could. And even when we were playing for a draw, eventually England got in a, into a position to attempt a solo win. I was working with France to buy time, but eventually Austria, who had done pretty well, formed a line that included all the southern centers, so the remaining French centers were expendable. We didn't need them anymore. So I didn't hesitate to cut France out of the draw, uh, anticipating correctly that we would be able to let England reach 17 and then there would be no problem. It was a draw-size scoring game. It was uh, beneficial for you to cut France down. That's right. It was, it, and there was no penalty to letting England reach 17, as long as England didn't get to 18. So that the French players said that they were thinking about saying some you know, harsh criticisms of my play. Uh, but when they realized who it was, they said, uh, well, maybe not. Maybe you, you knew what you were doing since uh, I was eliminated and uh, you weren't. It was an entertaining experience for me because... I think among people that take gunboat diplomacy seriously, maybe among many diplomacy players, but definitely for gunboat players, uh, a lot of them are familiar with my work. And so it was kind of fun that the players said that it was really cool uh, to, to find out afterwards that they were playing with me. 
I didn't have a particularly stellar game. I mean, I got Italy and I managed to not get myself eliminated and uh, got a draw, which is not, uh, not not amazing. I don't think I ever reached more than five centers. I did cause things to happen, in my opinion, you know, to move the game. Once I realized it wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to win uh, towards the draw state that I thought uh, was acceptable. Like I did things like harass Austria, who was my ally, a few times to make sure that Austria right. couldn't get too strong. What makes Austria too strong, in your opinion, when you're playing Italy? What was on my mind in that situation is that if I'm playing for the win, I'm eventually going to need to attack Austria, probably. If I'm going to win as Italy, so I have to wait for some opportunity when I can suddenly strike and attack Austria, who I hadn't menaced before. So if Austria gets into a position where Austria has little else to do besides attack me, then I'll never be able to get the forces together to break through Austria's perimeter. And even if I'm playing for a draw and I think, yeah, you know, a solo win is just not possible for me anymore. I'm just going to play for whatever, you know, the most favorable draw that I can get. I still had to be mindful that Austria not be the strongest power in that game. Uh, since we're playing draw size scoring, a strategy that I wanted to use and, and was able to do, it worked. What I, what I wanted to happen did happen, which was to make England as strong as possible so that I wouldn't be able to be successfully eliminated. So there are two dangers in Austria getting too strong if you're playing as Italy allied to Austria. The first is eventually Austria may just attack you as Austria will want to go for the win. And the other is that if Austria is too strong, you, as Italy, will never be able to make a successful attack. Now, I think your question is, how do I determine that this situation may be happening? And the answer is, it has to do with the position of Austria's units and whether Austria has units to spare. For example, if Turkey's completely eliminated and Austria controls all those centers then probably Austria is getting in a position that's too strong because now Austria doesn't have to allocate any units to that corner of the board, really, and can quite easily simultaneously attack Italy, Russia, and Germany without really a problem and go for the win. In this game, it was a different situation where Turkey was never eliminated. Turkey was never brought lower than three centers, I think. Actually, what had happened is I think Germany and England allied together had taken down Russia. And so Russia was very, very weak, and the, some of the Russian centers passed hands. Eventually, Austria ended up with the Russian home centers, but I don't think Austria had them early on. So the moment that Austria was seeming I'm worried, like maybe Austria is getting a little too strong, is that Russia's crushed, and Austria has the ability to go after Russian home centers. And Turkey is not, since Turkey's surrounded and weak, there's a danger that the Austrian player could decide, hey, I, I no longer face any threat from Russia. In Germany's got his hands tied with England because England betrayed Germany. And Turkey is completely contained that Austria thinks the fastest expansion path or the only winning plan is to try to eliminate Italy and maybe finish off Turkey for the win. I would say, trying to draw a wider lesson from this, that Austria is too strong if Austria has consumed fully either Russia or Turkey. Personally, from my experience, Austria, which takes down Turkey, is, is either playing against a very stupid Turkey 
or a stabbed Italy for your sentence because like as Turkey you could really easily not be taken down if only Austria attacks you like you just put a unit in Kona, a unit in Smyrna and a unit in, in Armenia and, and that's it you can't be break you, you, like, you need to put a fit in East Med in order to try and break it down so Austria usually doesn't have fleets and that, this game you told that you fought with France so it didn't go on Turkey so it didn't have that threat and that's why it didn't go down that's right because it didn't help and and I assume Austria didn't build any fleets yeah so, not, not until very very late in the game when we were trying to so like, I don't see how Austria will will manage to take down Turkey unless there's some more like Russia and doing some AR and which includes like building more fleets I had like in, about a month ago we finished the game and I was also Austria but I didn't manage to solo it but I finished with 14 centers which was the topper for this board I guess I took down Turkey with well basically what happened like Italy was aloof it was going west and east all the time and the first he went west for France, and then he decided to swing to the eastern side. And we broke into Turkey. I managed to snatch Turkey from him with a backstab. I took basically Venice and Constantinople with one move, and he lost some other centers, so it was like going three, three centers down in one move. And he crippled Turkey as well, so I was like, I had a unit in Con, and, and from there I just, I secured Turkey, I secured uh, Italy, and then I was stopped by coalition of Germany and England, basically. But what I'm saying is that I took Turkey only because Italy helped. Without Italian help, I would, I, I could not break into Turkey. No way. Without at least, like, without alerting the Italian before, because I would have to bring another fleet to the fight. That's a great insight, and it matches into what I'm, how I analyze the situation, which is that if Austria has crushed Russia and Turkey can't be chipped away at anymore... Austria has almost no choice but to come after me as yeah, Italy. basically, yes. You know, in an ideal game as Italy, what I would do is take some of those French centers and then use the extra units to help Austria chip away at Turkey to try, try to get some of those centers for myself. And then if I have something like Marseille or Spain or both, plus some Turkish centers, then I'm feeling pretty good. I'll attack Austria and try to get the win since I have centers across the stalemate line and I can attack Austria from two sides. That to me is like a, an ideal gunboat game as Italy or a straightforward plan. You'd like to focus on France early as Italy. It accomplishes a couple goals if you can get away with attacking France early. To, to be clear, as Italy, I would not attack France early if I didn't think it was in my best interest to do so. It depends on what is the situation in the game. I'm not saying that Italy has to attack France first or has to attack France early, just that if the game board looks favorable for that, I'm really hoping to get away with an early attack on France. And if nothing looks particularly good, I may try to stay in position to attack France if I can. The reason why I prefer to attack France early if possible is that those centers that Italy can gain from France's collapse, Portugal, Spain, and Marseille, those are difficult, if not impossible, to get when you're actually trying to go for a solo win against competent players. 
And so if as Italy, you've committed everything to the East, you'll find that, hey, I took over Austria, maybe I even took over Turkey, but I only got between 14 and 17 centers and the game ended. That's because you as Italy went for the centers that are actually pretty easy to get first and left the hardest centers for the end. And what do you know, the defending players were able to defend those difficult centers, whereas if you're Italy and you have a solid control of Iberia and Marseille, and so now in order to stop you, the defending players have to defend a center like Vienna or Sevastopol. They have to stalemate really deep into the south to stop you. They may not be able to pull that off in a gunboat game. That requires precise positions that are difficult to get into. So you have a much higher chance of winning. That's one goal that's accomplished by going after France early. Uh, Another goal that's accomplished is that I consider France to be a, a major solo win threat and that Italy's expansion into the East does nothing to diminish France's chances of getting a solo win. So like maybe you're playing a pretty good game as Italy and you made some headway against Austria or you made some headway against Turkey. But meanwhile, France got off to a good start France is going to win that race. If it's a race between Italy and France to see who solo wins, it's going to be France almost every time. France has a much, much better ability to convert a position with, say, nine or ten units into a solo win than Italy does. Yeah, I agree with us. Because France is like, like just a Terminator, which you have to kill down early, or like at least cripple, or also just kill everyone. Like, if you don't focus on France, at least... Like, I'm not saying, like, you have to take France down, but... If there is not enough attention for France in the beginning, then France is unstoppable. Almost unstoppable. I agree. In gunboat diplomacy, if I, as almost any power, I would like to see France get off to a bad start. <laughs> as Italy, you're in a position to reduce France's ability to get off to a good start just by menacing France. So, so something like being in position at Piedmont and a fleet in Tyrrhenian Sea and just waiting to see if France is going to commit against England. I feel like this is a very good strategic posture for Italy because if France decides to go all in against attacking England, then while France's back door is open, you attack and get those French centers that you're hoping to get. And if France is afraid that you're going to do this, so France doesn't go all in against attacking England, well, that's pretty good too. You know, you've slowed France down. Like, my good Italian games usually involve menacing France in some way. Whether it's active Italian their centers or just skipping a unit in Piedmont once. Like, going into Piedmont once every few turns and forcing them to commit, like, one or two units to to not lose Marseille, basically. <laughs> that's right. I think that's a good insight and good tactical play, that your one unit in Piedmont can hold down one or even two French units, which then puts... England or Germany on an even playing field with France, who otherwise, if they can commit all their units, four or five units, to attack all in one direction, France has a big tactical advantage in winning that fight if France can commit all the units. So in that particular match, it didn't work out for me for a couple reasons. Probably the main one being that England was able to make major breakthroughs in the north so that I was in a position to not be able to attack France and consolidate gains. And the other being that even though I did not help Austria in any way, and even menaced Austria a little bit, Austria destroyed Russia uh, eventually. 
because of what England and Germany had done to weaken Russia earlier. So that prevented me from throwing everything I had to try to make gains against France or even in being willing to attack Turkey later. But I do consider it to be like the the A plan, my favorite plan with Italy, if possible, what I would like to do is come after France, take a few centers, then help take down Turkey, get some centers for that for myself. And then if it looks good, attack Austria and try to get the win. I think that's a, that's a solid plan. Maybe the second best plan, I think, is to commit against taking down Turkey early like really intensively put resources into taking down Turkey and try to get all three Turkish home centers for yourself. If that works, and then Austria is in a bad position, somehow Austria is vulnerable, uh, then attack Austria, since Austria will go down fast. And then somehow you have to be real crafty about sneaking into Marseille or Munich simultaneously as you're taking down Austria to be able to actually get to 18 and win, since most players are going to react to Italy. If Italy controls all of Turkey and is now taking over all the Balkans, they understand that Italy's going to solo win if they don't do something. But that's a plan that can sometimes work if you make some clever guesses or the situation between England, Germany, and France is is too chaotic. Uh, You might be able to win with that plan. My third favorite plan for trying to win in Gunboat as Italy is to fake that I'm going to attack Turkey, and then once Austria is committed against Turkey and Russia, try to invade Austria from the back door. I think that's my third favorite, and uh, the reason why I don't think it's attacking Austria first is that great of a, is the best plan. I don't think it's the best plan is that the Balkan centers are tactically easy to conquer and difficult for a defender to defend. And so taking those centers first means you're leaving the hardest work to do for the end of the match when the other players will probably be playing their smartest to try to defend against you and form the stalemate line. But if it seems like the best thing to do is to attack Austria early, there could be a lot of reasons for that. Uh, But if it seems like the best thing to do is to attack Austria early, I think my favorite way to attack Austria first is by faking it an alliance with Austria and making a surprise attack. The reason why I think this is important is that I've played in so many gunboat games. Either I reviewed somebody's game or I played in the game or I was in the game where Italy attacks Austria right away. And the ultimate beneficiary of this is Turkey. Like from my own experience, I'll try a few times, like one or two times to try Austria straight ahead. And it's just a mess. Like you might be get like Chiast and Vienna, but like Greece, Serbia, Budapest are going to, to be still between Russia and Turkey. And then like, we guess we come Italy with two Austrian centers and you're stuck. That's very consistent with my experience from how I've played and what I've seen. It's not a very good plan because it's hard for the situation to play out to where you get a solo win. Now, if you're just playing for a draw, for whatever reason, you do not care about getting 18 supply centers that much. Maybe you're okay with topping the board, or you just want to make sure that you get in the draw. Then I think that can work because your chances of making it in the draw are okay. You do have a chance of getting a, a bigger count of centers. But... I think your chances of getting a solo win are very, very small with that strategy. Because if you walk away with Vienna and Trieste and Turkey walks away with Greece and Serbia, 
You're just going to get into a fight with Turkey for the rest of the match, a fight that Turkey has the upper hand in because you have a back door and Turkey being a corner power does not. So Turkey will have the upper hand in this fight. I often tell players that in a war for the Balkans, the player who controls Serbia has a decisive advantage. And whether that's Turkey or Italy or Austria or Russia, whoever's got their army in Serbia, Serbia borders every Balkan center except for um, Vienna. Vienna. And so it exerts a ridiculous amount of influence and it's very hard to guess precisely what the player is going to do because that unit could move in any direction or support moves in any direction. That's very, very hard to fight against the player who controls Serbia. So if Austria is going to go down and you're Italy, you want to make sure that you are the one who controls Serbia. That's probably more important than the number of centers you control because with your control of Serbia, you can then conquer everything else. And so that's why, I, uh, to circle back to what I was saying, that the fake alliance with Austria is the better plan. Because if you can begin your attack on Austria by convoying an army into Albania or to Greece that you then use to conquer Serbia, like if you can get an army in Albania and Greece, let's say somehow you get armies in those two places, then you get into Serbia. Now you have the ability to finish off Austria while still containing Turkey so that Turkey is not profiting too much from your attack on Austria. Or if Russia snags Budapest or Vienna, you'll eventually be able to reconquer those for yourself down the road because you are the player with the most solid position in the Balkans. And so if you get Austria, you can persuade Austria, and I'm talking in gunboat, you know, by being by seeming friendly to like get into Galicia, get into Ukraine, try to grind down Russia. Austria's conquered Bulgaria from Turkey. So much the better. It's even better to begin your surprise attack on Austria after Austria has conquered Bulgaria because now when Austria starts collapsing, first Turkey has to regain Bulgaria. Turkey's going to have to first go and regain Bulgaria prior to challenging you for Serbia. That's great. I think that a great time to attack Austria, if you want to attack Austria early, it's just not going to be in 1901. It might be 1902, 1903, 1904. If Austria will, will, will move against Turkey and Russia and somehow is letting you get away with somehow being in position to make a backstab, but you've convinced that player that's not what you're going to do, I think that can work. It's not, the, it's not my favorite plan, but I think it can work. You said that your A plan is to attack France and get French centers. That's right. Like, it even happens, and there's, there's this blessing from Jesus, but it usually doesn't happen because France can easily defend against you. And you require like a cooperation from England and Germany to really take something like kind of relying on German grace to, to give you to give you Marseille and, and then you can somehow get Spain. And energy in my experience that usually does not. Like it's rare to see an Italian in Marseille in, in Spain. Really rare. That's why I prefer to like take all of the Turkish centers first and then decide whether I backstab Austria or go for France. Oh, that makes sense. We're pretty much seeing things the same way that we see Marseille and Spain as very difficult to conquer. My inference from that is slightly different than yours, which is, in my mind, that's why it's priority number one, because it's the most difficult thing I'm going to have to do all game, so I should start on it right away if I can. But your form of thinking is also reasonable. It's not, I mean, we're, we're only very slightly disagreeing here. 
there's a sound, there's like a notion that Italy can really wait. I don't agree with that because if you wait, somebody will get somebody else's sentence. Like if you're on five, you've taken sentence which you've taken a center which belonged to some other player. You don't have any other way to do that. Like either taking Greece or Smen or Trieste, whatever. You're taking some some center which doesn't belong to you originally. So if you're like stuck on four and you waited, let's say Austria or Turkey or Russia have, have gained something and now you will be like fighting an uphill battle, which you probably cannot win. So like this notion like Italy can wait and, and see what happens. I don't really agree with that. I'll tell you how um how players come to think that way or my ideas for how players come to think that way. I think there are at least two things that come to my mind hearing about whether or not Italy can afford to wait. One is that to play the waiting game as Italy successfully, you need to be interfering with other players gaining a lot of centers. And that might mean changing sides or harassing an ally that you have. So that can be something like, hey, Austria is about to take Warsaw, so now I'm going to take Trieste or something like that, where you are harming players as they're making gains without the intention of invading them or destroying them, just interfering. Okay, well, Austria comes back and regains Trieste, but guess what? Russia regained Warsaw, so they're back to where they were. You just reset the situation. Or in the West, moving an army back and forth from Piedmont to Tyrolia to harass Munich if Germany's getting too strong or to harass Marseille if France is getting too strong, you can slow the game down. So if you're going to play the waiting game, you have to be thinking about how to slow the game down and interfere with the player who's making captures. The second idea that I have when I hear about that is something makes me think, are we talking about games where the players are scored according to the number of centers they have or tournament games, or both, where there's time limits on how many turns the match can go. Because if you're dealing with a scoring system where having a lot of centers is rewarded, then that greatly incentivizes players to choose aggressive, impatient strategies to try to capture centers right away. And it feels like a pretty big punishment if other players get to a lot of centers. Because in a scoring system that does not care about the number of centers you have, letting another player get to a lot of centers but not win can actually bring you closer to a solo win down the road. And there are strategic reasons for this. And for turn-limited games, then waiting is really handicapped as a strategy, right? If they're saying that the turn, the match can only last until 1908 or the match can only last until 1910. Okay, well, every turn that goes by is 5% or more of the entire game that you're just burning on your patient strategy. Whereas if the game can last an unlimited number of turns, then the cost of waiting a turn could be very negligible. It could be very small. The game could go on 10, 20, 30 turns potentially as there's no limit. And so a patient strategy that's waiting for strategic opportunities can, can pay off more. And I'll throw this in there that when playing in a situation where either there's turn limits or the players are rewarded for a draw with a big number of centers, that doesn't just incentivize you as Italy to try to play a more aggressive strategy. It incentivizes every player to play with a riskier, more aggressive strategy because they need to get to a big number of centers 
or bust, right? If I end the match with just three supply centers, then it's almost the same as losing, so I don't really care uh, about that, what happens, which means that not only are the players taking aggressive risks, they're also risking all their defenses. So the metagame of players who are playing in a tournament or a scoring situation where they care about the number of centers or the turns is time limited, that metagame also powers up how effective aggressive strategies are because the other players are unlikely to choose patient defensive strategies that would counter their aggression. I know that's kind of complicated, but it doesn't make sense, Ronnie. It is something that if there is a time limit or incentive to be big on centers, so if having a big amount of centers is good, it will it will incentivize people to be more aggressive. Your patient strategy can counter this aggression. That's what I get. Yes. When I've played high-level gunboat games where there is no bonus points for how many centers you have and there's no turn limit with really good players, the players instead choose very low-risk, cautious, defensive strategies. And sometimes the first player to blink and do something aggressive and take a risk, that player is the first player whose armor is lowered. There's a chink in their armor now because they sent too many units to go make an attack, and they get attacked and eliminated first. I've played matches where no power dropped below three centers until past 1910. That's really crazy. And so the reason why that happens in those kind of matches is that since there's not a big reward for successful early aggression, the balance of the metagame is now in favor of defense. And so a small little moves that you make here on the board, whether a piece is in Piedmont or Tyrolia, make a huge difference in how the players have to allocate their resources and affects the ultimate outcome of the match. So uh, with all that in mind, I think that the saying or the adage that like Italy can play a patient game is probably coming from the perspective of players who are not playing with turn limits and players who are thinking about solo wins and yes. not, not tournament scoring. Yeah, my experience is like from a turn limited game, which like usually time in 1912, that's why majority of the game is played on that way. So like I play, usually I play on Axis and there there is a really set in stone meta in a way, which which is an EG, AI and an RT. This is like what basically happens usually on, on the game. And so, so the games are really similar. And uh, in some way, it's it's theory. It becomes like a like a theoretical game in instance at a certain point. Like you know, like Austria and Italy, how you will attack Turkey. You have like a, a plan which was done a thousand times. You know the moves, even if you can't talk. So I don't really see an aggressive or a defensive strategy. There's like just like a matter which dictates everything usually. Sometimes it doesn't really happen this way, but most of the times it does. That's very interesting. Do you, do you have an idea of why you think the situation is the way it is? I'm not sure. Like, I remember when I started playing, whenever I got, like, I played a, a game at, at Turkey, like, one of my first games, and I was like, okay, I'm just get, getting bombarded by Austria and Italy from the get-go. All right. 
And a second game also happens this way. And, I, and, and so I got an conclusion that I have to open Ankara to Con and basically hope that the Russian won't kill me if I want to stand a chance against such an attack. And usually when you see Ank to Kong, to Kong in the beginning, Italy will take Trieste and bounce to Nigeria. In a way, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Italy allying Austria and you having to ally Russia because you don't have anyone else that wants to ally you. And only Russia can choose, but usually Russia chooses to ally uh, you, usually. So it's the same battle, all, all very similar battle all the time. Almost. So it's hard to say when somebody is playing aggressive or not. You can say when somebody playing not, not meta, but like saying, but saying that someone is playing defensive or aggressive is pretty hard for me to do. That's interesting. Let's examine how this metagame could be stable or last so long. From Italy's perspective, is it better to ally Austria in the beginning? Yeah, we both. Uh, it's been neutral. It's been neutral with Austria. And uh, yeah, right. Not not attacking Austria, but not not attacking Austria early on is usually a good way to play Italy. And Austria attacking Italy immediately is usually suicide in gunboat diplomacy. Yep. So both have an incentive not to attack each other. And then if that's true and that's a stable if that's a stable situation, then from Turkey's point of view, right, if I if I open in such a way to protect myself against my predicted Italy Austria alliance that's also good, right? Like as Turkey, I think that's the way that I should play. And so I think that this is a, that's a difficult metagame to shake up because if you did something as Turkey, like let's say, hey, what I do is I make the anti-Russian attack. I open Smyrna to Armenia and I attack Russia. What would I hope to gain there, right? It would have to be something like, well, I'm just really hoping that if I attack Russia, uh, It'll cause Italy or Austria to you know, prioritize attacking each other over attacking me or something like that. But if Turkey opens by attacking Russia, is Italy better off attacking Austria or is Italy better off still attacking Turkey? I believe yes. Because if you get those Turkish dots, you're just in a very secure position. I think Austria might not still work, even if Turkey is not like helping. Like if, if it's a one v one versus Austria, it could be just a head bumping contest. I agree, and I think a, a lot of other players may feel the same way. So that if the Italian player's logic is no matter what the Turkish player does in the beginning of the game, I'm not going to attack Austria, and I may even try to attack Turkey. That Turkey being friendly to me and attacking Russia maybe even increases my desire to attack Turkey because it seems like Turkey's not going to have a good uh, defensive position if I come over there and do a Lepanto or something like that. So if that's true, that Italy has this incentive to not attack Austria and an incentive to go after Turkey, no matter what Turkey does, I think it's a reasonable metagame development for Turkey to just assume this attack from Italy is coming and to try to play around that. That what you got to do then is play a defensive game and wait for the board to evolve 
so that those initial incentives no longer exist. Like if maybe France is going down, that might encourage Italy to go west, or perhaps France is doing well, and this means Italy has to allocate resources to menace France. Or maybe Germany comes over and swipes Vienna from Austria, or something. And you gotta you gotta play a defensive game until something happens so that Italy and Austria have things to do besides ally each other against you. From my experience, it's very, very common for Italy and Austria to work together against me as Turkey. What I consider to be my task playing Turkey is to think about how to play a defensive game in such a way that I'll cause one of those two players to decide that they're better off, one of them is better off attacking the other than trying to finish me off. And then once that happens, I can begin playing like the real game as Turkey. So I'm not thinking about it so much tactically like, oh, I have to do these tactics and do this exactly by the book, but looking, trying to think about the psychology of the Italian and the Austrian player. Like, what are they doing? I'll I'll give an example. Let's say that the Austrian player seems like they're sending all their units east and they seem to have complete faith in Italy. But Italy is leaving a unit in reserve that could maybe attack Austria if necessary. If my read is right, then maybe what I'll do is deliberately concede Bulgaria to Austria as fast as possible so that Austria gets a build and this spooks Italy. Now Austria is making gains, Italy isn't. Maybe my units are in like Constantinople, Smyrna, and Syria, and I've completely walled off Italy from making a Lepanto, and Austria gained Bulgaria, now Austria is going to get Romania, and if I read the Italian player right, they're going to change sides and start attacking Austria because they're afraid of Austria getting too strong. Great, but maybe they attacked Austria at Trieste, and so now I can regain Bulgaria and go for Greece and Serbia, and then something happens, and, I, and you know, they, they blinked, and now I can play the game I want to as Turkey. I consider that very interesting, but I almost invariably play games that have no turn limit. So I have no problem defending myself until 1907 and just sitting around trying to get them to fight each other. Uh, and then, hey, hey, I finally did great. And now I can, I can, the real game begins for me as Turkey. My experience, you kind of have to do this Turkey or else you, it's either that or you're eliminated. You don't have much of a choice. Like sometimes, very rarely, you see Austria, like you see an aggressive Turkey open into Armenia and taking like Stev, for example, in 1901. Like it, 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 it happened in my game. My recent game is Austria. I was like, okay, I want to do something different. I'm tired of this AI. So I tried to, to ally Russia in the beginning. So Russia didn't bounce me in Galicia. And that's okay. I thought, okay, they may be willing to ally me in this game. And Russia managed to get to the Black Sea. Turkey opened to Bulgaria, um, Ankara to, to Constantinople, and Smyrna to Armenia. So, like, they seeded Black Sea, but they had, like, uh, they, could, they could take serve, basically. So I assumed Russia will, will defend serve with an army and go to Romania with the fleet in the Black Sea. It didn't do that. It just left Sev open, and Turkey went into Sev, just walked in. And I was like, okay, at this point, I'm willing to ally Turkey, because Russia seems to be weak. Like, I'm in Galicia, Turkey is in Sev. Russia gained one build. We can take Romania, we can dismantle uh, We can dismantle them. And that's what happened. That sounds like a fun match. 
was it was a fun match. I really like the AT as Austria or as Turkey. I don't really like the, the alliance itself. If I'm playing as one of the powers, because it's really, really, really explosive. Like you take both Russia and Italy really quickly, and usually you are quick enough to start crossing the line in a major way. Like I had an AT in which I ended up in in Norway and Sweden as Turkey from this alliance. Like it's crazy shit like this. But it's really rare to see it happening. In a, in a very like, if it's a squad game for a league, it's really rare. It's really rare. I agree. If uh, of any two powers, I think of the centers that they can realistically acquire. Austria and Turkey have the most overlap, perhaps. That since it's hard for them to expand into the far north because they can't get any fleets in there. They typically run out of room and the anticipation that that's going to happen, that one of the players loses their nerve and attacks, <laughs> attacks the other. So the alliance doesn't reach that kind of deep penetration onto the other side of the stalemate line. That is what makes the alliance potentially very powerful or interesting, but it doesn't reach that point because the players get their nerves, get the better of them, or they're just trying to get as many centers as they can, etc. You think it can be managed with relative ease if both, if, both, if both players know what they're doing? Austria can leave one or two units in reserve, and as long as Turkey builds mainly fleets and key centers are vacant, then it, it can be managed. It will be, if somebody stabbed, it will be with a warning, and it usually will be, it won't be a magnificent stab. Like it could be, yeah, I might lose a center or. And basically that's it. And then hell, who hell it breaks loose. Like it's, it can be stable in my opinion, as long as the, the alliance, as long as, long as the players knows what they're doing, it's not that far in my in my experience. All right, we're getting to the end of the time I had allocated to record this, but I think that's a pretty interesting concluding point. Thanks for coming, Ronnie. This episode was made possible by the generous support of people like you. For more information, visit patreon.com slash brotherboard. You can learn more from your board brother at brotherboard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe, share, and review. Thanks to Loyalty Freak Music for the theme music, It Feels Good to Be Alive too.